And now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. And alert the media. Why they would give this man a podcast is anyone's guess. And there is what could only be a bizarre coincidence or something else. Welcome to the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. Track drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Country music and fine moonshine. Finally, a podcast that lets it all hang out. Let's level with America. Got your boots? Ready for some whiskey? These boots are made for walking. One of these days, these boots are gonna walk all over you. And now, the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. As always, I am Jim, I am your host. We have a big special guest here with us tonight. Um, Travis Denning is here on the show. We caught up with Travis a couple weeks ago when he made his way through Off the Rails in Worcester. It was very nice of him to sit down with us for for a little time before the show and catch up and chat and you know get to get to know each other for a little bit. Um, it was a huge honor for him and his crew to you know make the time because as we learned last week, um, show days there's not a lot of time to uh, to do things. So a big thank you to him to for doing that, especially because they came from Canada the night before. Um, so you know. All that kind of thing. So, thank you again, Travis, for being on the show. It was, uh, it was quite the honor, to say the least. I did, you know, I did tell him I was fangirling a little bit, and I think I even say it in the episode. But um, Travis has been a a big favorite of mine for a few years now. I discovered his music over during the pandemic, I want to say, and um, you know, just kind of got hooked, kind of got hooked from there. So. We've seen him now a couple times, um, all in opening slots. The first time was an opening slot for the Brothers Osborne tour. Um, we do talk about that. And then we saw him open for Dirk Bentley last year, just about this time. It's been about a year since we saw him last. Um, and now, now. So very excited, was very excited for the show. Um, we also did sat, sit down with Matthew Davidson that night. Um, that episode is going to come out in a few weeks, so stay tuned for that. Um, but for the show now, I didn't really know what to expect from a Travis Denning, um, headlining to headlining to a headlining show. Um, and he didn't disappoint. I'm not going to lie to you. He played all of the songs you would hope. The only thing he didn't play was red, white, and blue, which is one of my favorites of his, but you know what? I don't make the set list. So I guess, you know, too bad. So yeah, that was the only one that he didn't play that I, I I missed that I wish would have been on the set list. Um, he did play a couple of covers, which were fine. Um, you know, wasn't overdone with the covers. Um, maybe a cover or two more that I would have liked to have seen from him. But again, I don't make the set list. Um, I think he could have played every single one of his releases and it would have been fucking amazing um but yeah big big thank you to him for coming out to worcester you know good crowd the crowd was into it um nate ramos opened the show um for those of you that didn't pay attention to that on that night nate um took over our instagram and 
gave us uh, some behind the scenes stuff. So it was great. It was great, great, great to have Nate on board for that. And, you know, the off the rails family, as always, for for having us. Um, so without further ado, guys, here is Travis Denning and I's conversation from that night. And I hope you enjoy. We want to give a big thank you to our friends over at Off the Rails here in Worcester, Massachusetts. You can find them at offtherailsworcester.com. They have a great restaurant, a great music venue. They have everything you would want to feel like in Nashville right here in Central Mass. If you're ever in the area, check out the restaurant, check out the music venue. Again, offtherailsworcester.com, 90 Commercial Street, Worcester. Check them out. So we're the one and only Travis Stenick. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Good, yeah. Thanks for being on. Absolutely. I'm. This is a Coca-Cola I'm opening, but it will have Jack in it yeah. later. Yeah. yeah. So um, I got to tell you, this is the first um, fanboy moment I'm having in my podcast career. Um, I've seen you. This will be now time like three or four. Oh, right on. And first headlining show, but I've seen you plenty of other times. Um I kind of stumbled over across you during COVID um, when Brothers Osborne announced that tour right to 2021. I think yeah, it was. yeah, yeah. And you were on there and I was like, who the fuck is Travis Denning? And popped it up and I was like, damn, this kid's got it. So tell me a little bit how you started all this thing. Yeah, I, uh, well, I mean, I started playing guitar when I was like 11 years old and, um, yeah, that was just like my first love and everything. And, uh, yeah, I just play guitar and, uh, you know, got more proficient at that the older I got. And then I started playing gigs when I was like, I think my first gig I ever played, I was probably 16. And it was just like a little country club restaurant in my hometown. And that was when singing became kind of in the fold and I was definitely not very good at it. And, uh, but I just played shows and that was, you know, the first time someone gave me 200 bucks to sing, you know, and I thought that was pretty awesome and just kept at it and it slowly built and built and built. And I moved to, i say when I was probably about 18, I started really songwriting and trying to, you know, find that craft. And of course, all those songs sucked really bad as they do, but you keep at it and you keep doing it and you keep building it. And uh, uh, Jeffrey Steele, who's a Hall of Fame songwriter always has always said that songwriting is a muscle and he's like it you can he's like maybe some people have a better you know perspective on it than others and that is true he's like but you everybody gets better by doing it and so I moved to Nashville in 2014 and uh yeah man just went at it I mean January was like nine years ago so and just Working and working and working, keeping my head down and rocking and rolling. So that first show that you did, was it leading up to that? Was it just something you just did passively? Was it something you had any idea you were going, you know what, this could be a thing for me? I mean, I definitely wanted to pursue it as a career. I mean, I like first time I ever stepped foot on stage, I was, you know, like 14. I like, you know, just sat in with a band and I remember just thinking, damn, I, I would love to do this mm. for a living. And, um, my dad at the time was super supportive of it. My mom was as well. She was just more realistic. <laughs> she was like, just make sure you got good grades. She's yeah. like, but we'll, you know, and yeah, that was just, so that was just, you know, chiseling at the, the, the chopping block of just trying to get better yeah. pretty much. Now those songs you said that you were writing that sucked, 
Are there any, is there any remnants of those anywhere? Yeah, I mean, I still remember a few of them. I don't know if I really have any demos or anything. Um, it'd be on an old computer that I don't know where it is anymore, <laughs> thank God. But there's actually one song, actually the first song that I wrote that I actually felt like was good, like had a good chorus and a hook, you know, like it it landed the plane, so to speak, you know, um, was a song called Old Jeep Driver Seat. And I wrote it uh, with my buddy Scott Little, who's still a really good friend of mine. And yeah, I still remember that one. Um, I actually like kind of has like a, just a, I don't know, a COVID boredom thing. I, I re-demoed it at the house and I sent it to yeah. Scott. I was like, I'm trying to get better at my, you know, my recording and stuff. And I was like, I just figured I'd do this song. But that was the first one that I played for like, my friends. And they were like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is when your friends admit that it's good, then you might have something because... I think your job as a friend is to roast somebody oh, yeah. into oblivion, right. you know. But that was the first one that, like, my best friend, he was like, that's a good one, dude. He's like, "You, that, that's a good song. So then I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then I wrote about a million other bad ones and then another good one and <laughs> a million other bad ones. And So when you start, when you picked up the guitar, right, anybody that knows or has seen you or, you know, whatever, they know you're left-handed, right? You play guitar left-handed. Most guitarists are right-handed. So was that when you were learning, was that something difficult for you? Are you left-handed with everything? Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, okay. fully left-handed. Well, it's actually really funny. My guitar teacher I had, uh, Pat Tataro, uh, he was left-handed. Oh. Just totally random. But no, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it made like walking into a music store and being able to pick up a guitar kind of difficult, you know, but like, I just, you could always kind of find a left-handed guitar. And, right. Um, yeah, no, I didn't make it too. I mean, this just makes no sense to me, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I had to do that regardless. Yeah. So now, once you get through those, you know, the uh, the growing pains of all this, and you start actually writing songs that you actually like, um, how do, how does your, you know, everybody that has listened to country music in some fashion in the last, you know, five or six years knows all about David Ashley Parker, right? And I'm sure you're sick of talking about it at this point. But, you know, how true of a story is that? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much 100% true. I mean, there's some there's some details and stuff we kind of just wrote in to make the song more interesting. But, uh, I mean, the, the biggest thing was it, the, the ID was found by my friend, so I didn't buy it. But, um, yeah, the name is all correct. Um, I couldn't remember the birthday, so I made that up. Oh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's just totally true. I mean, I, and the sentiment and everything of the song is totally true of just, like, how we felt having a fake ID, you yeah. know. Um, but, yeah, that's a, I mean, I love that song. It's still one of my favorites I've ever written because it was just honest. It was so easy to do. And, uh, yeah, that was a, a, a great first introduction, I think, for me to two people, right. you know. Because um, it just kind of stood out a little bit over, you know, the label actually really, um, I think a part of them wanted to go with After a Few first. Um, but I just, in my gut, I was like, well, I was like, new artists going to radio. With keeping that Central Mass vibe going, we have to thank our friends over at the DCU Center. Again, here in Worcester, dcucenter.com. They are the premier venue here in central Massachusetts. They are a mid-size arena. They're the home of the Worcester Railers, the Massachusetts Pirates, 
numerous concerts, numerous events. Check them out, dcucenter.com. They are at 50 Foster Street right here in Worcester. Cheers. That's already just a tough situation. And I felt like in my gut, I felt like After a Few was a hit. Mm. But I was like, but if for the politicking and all that stuff, it yeah. doesn't work, I was like, then we're screwed. Yeah. And um, and I just felt like David Ashley Parker would at least, even if it didn't go number one, which it definitely didn't, I mean, like it w- it would grab people's attention faster. And I, I think we made the right call on that for sure. Um, if I had known that no matter what we'd done with After a Few, it was going to go number one, <laughs> I might have done it first. Right. But uh, but no, it's still, I mean, it went to 32 on the charts. So, I mean, it was a, it was a top 40. But still this day, I mean, I, my the fans that have been coming to shows for a long time, I mean, that's like they still really look forward to hearing that song. Right. Now, did the picture look anything like you? Uh, I mean, it was a skinny white boy with a buzzed haircut, so it worked. <laughs> that's pretty much what it was. Now, so, you know, David Ashley Parker comes out and then was After A Few was next, right? That was the next single, yeah. yeah. It wasn't the next song I put out. I put out Red, White, and Blue in between that just kind of as just a, you know, that, that was like a big moment live. And, uh, but yeah, After A Few was the next single and it took 65 weeks to climb to number one. Yeah. I think it, I think that, I don't know if that record got beat, but it got tied. But I had the longest climb to number one in like media based history or something. Now for you, you know, I've heard other artists and how they've, you know, got to their number ones or whatnot. For but for you and for your camp, what did that look like from after a few coming out to it being number one? You said all that time had gone by, but at what point did you really start to did you ever did you and your team ever start to like do the typical push where it was like you know, okay, we're getting closer, we're getting closer, we're going to keep pushing, keep pushing. Yeah, I mean, well, there there was probably three different times with that song that we thought it was done. And, um, you know, it, it broke into the top 50 pretty fast, um, and it got into the 40s and got there. But the, the, the biggest problem we have with, like, David Eshoo Parker is, like, if you can get a song to 30 you get on the countdown. Yeah. And so that's like a lot of spins just by a technicality yeah. because every Sunday they're going to, you know, they're going to kicks Brooks is going to talk about it kind of thing. So, but we just like couldn't get Dave Ashley Parker there. And if we had, maybe it would have got that extra push. Maybe not. I don't know. But with after a few, it was at 31, 32 and it was staying there and staying there. And I was like, I was like, dude, what are we doing? Like, this song's been out for so long, and I'm like, I just want it to go. And I talked to somebody at the label, and they were like, we are not giving up on this song without a two in front of it. And I was like, well, that semi makes me feel better. But I, and uh, literally, uh, Bobby Bones like saved my ass yeah. for sure. I, I played a uh, I played a Christmas party for him, and um, he played it I think once or twice on you know, his show, and that got it to, like, 29. And so it literally got 29. We had the countdown spins and all this stuff. And then it went from, like, 29 to, like, 21, like, really fast in, like, two or three weeks. And then I was like, oh, shit, this is awesome. Um, and then, man, got to 15 and just sat there. And it just, like, couldn't. And it just, like, and at that point, there's so many things going on, right? It's not just 
it's not struggling. It's just that everything above it's not moving. Nothing's coming off. Right. You get Luke Combs up there for like seven weeks, and everybody gets, it gets jammed up, right. you know. And uh, but I thought I said, oh, I don't know, man. This doesn't it doesn't feel good. Like I don't know if we're gonna get there. So we this is a long winded story. I apologize, no, but that went fifteen in top fifteen in like February of twenty twenty. All right, so. There's like semi-COVID conversations, but I was like, this is like just stupid. It's like, it's like Ebola, like no big deal. Right. And I remember my tour manager at the time was like, I read a super long article, like an NPR type article about COVID. And I was like, what do you think? He was like, I think it's going to be really bad. And we're like, nah, man, you're crazy. It goes top 10, like I think the week that we play the Today Show. And... My my plan was, you know, we were gearing up for the Sam Hunt tour, all this stuff. I had a conversation with the label, and I was like, if we hit 10, unless it's just rocking, uh, if we hit 10, we're kind of out of steam, let's move on. I was like, I'll be proud of a top 10. And uh, it hit top 10, like, right when the world was shutting down, and it was doing well. So I just told the label, I'm like, well, hell, I mean, just keep pushing it. And it just, it was so crazy after all that time, after a year on the charts, when it hit 10, it had the most steam it had ever had, ever. We They didn't even have to do a damn thing. Like, it just flew to number one. And when it got there, I mean, there were radio stations that were like, they had played it, you know, two, 3,000 times, and it was still just testing, like, through the roof. So it was just so crazy. I mean, there there was definitely those two, two or three times where we almost gave up. And then once it gets number one, it does what a number one song right. does, you know, and just so crazy. It was definitely a nice... Uh, positive in a, in a crazy time yeah yeah now once that comes and goes you know and you you mentioned that covid ha- happens and then you know we're all stay at home for pretty much a year for you at that point yeah you, you know you have a home, number one song and you can't go on the road is that is that defeating it definitely sucks ass yeah for sure uh it's um you know i me and trip howell who's one of my closest friends he's a drummer in lanco you know, we fished a lot during COVID, and he just told me that week, he was like, man, he's like, it just sucks that you, you can't be on stage and sing the number one song. Right. You know, he's like, that part sucks. He's like, because I'll never forget when we did that, you know. And Yeah, it sucked, but, you know, we got back on the road, and people still remembered it, so yeah. that's all that really mattered. Now, when you got back on the road, was it for that Brothers Osborne tour? No, we played some clubs and stuff. Essentially... We, I think our first show back, and I mean back, back, not like the social distance stuff, was, would have been the last weekend of March or early April of 2021, and we just played Georgia, Florida, yeah. Alabama, the states that were the open pretty much. <laughs> and um, I mean, we were just at that point where it was like, they're open and this is happening, so we're going to go do it. And uh, those were still just some of the most fun shows ever yeah. because... You know, Abby had come out like a month before the world shut down. So we never even really got to feel that engagement. Um, and, man, like we played Athens, Georgia, and it was awesome. And we played Sarasota, Florida, and all, all these great little shows. Um, and then, you know, mid-May, everything just opens back up, 2021 pretty much. And so our summer was crazy. Like it was just we just went and played anything and everything that we could like that would take us. I mean, we- now we got to thank our friends on the North Shore 
the Porch Southern Fair and Juke Joint. Our buddy Jonathan Post is the head chef and owner of The Porch. They are at 175 Rivers Edge Drive, right in Medford, Massachusetts. Don't want to miss this place. They have some of the best food in the region. Jonathan has brought his Nashville roots here to New England with the food, with the hospitality, and most of all, the music. Check them out, theporchsouthern.com. We played, it was, it was a lot of shows. And then that bros tour was just unbelievable. It was like 45 dates. I, I still think that's one of my favorite tours ever. Yeah, you know, that was the first time I had saw you. And my oldest was with me at the time. And he was like, I got to see Travis. And I was like, all right, we'll get there. We'll make sure we see Travis. And, uh, you know, we were like 10 people deep. We're in Providence when you're here. And, like, he was like, all right, we can go now. <laughs> was that the show that was, like, on the river? Yeah. Yeah, that was a dope show. Yeah. That yeah. was sick. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great show. That was actually the first time I had been to that venue, I think. It's a and, little weird, but it's awesome. Yeah, it doesn't even exist now anymore. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I guess from what I understand, Live Nation is supposed to be building an actual and, Yeah, because it was just a pop-up stage yeah. pretty much. Yeah. It was really cool, though. I did yeah. enjoy that. Now, so with all that happening and then, you know, you go on that Brothers Osborne tour, does that, did that kind of kick things back into where it had left off in 2020? No, I don't think, any, I, I don't think anybody will ever get back what they lost during that. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just, I mean, we've obviously, I mean, I've still played show. I mean, that, that was a great tour and we've done a lot of stuff, but like, man, it's just, it was, it was tough for a lot of people. I mean, you know, just losing that momentum and. You know, and I also think a lot of other things changed, just people's priorities and how they viewed things and stuff. And so, yeah, it it, it definitely felt different. It was still great. Yeah. It just like n n never felt like that. But then again, I don't know what it was supposed to feel like because right, it didn't right, happen. Right, you right. know, right now you mentioned Abby, which is another one of you know it. I think this is the most musically I've ever talked in a um, in an episode before. But Abby for me is my favorite song of yours. Um, is that real life song or is that somebody else wrote and you, you took? Why? Well, I, yeah, I didn't write that song. That was, uh, that's Chase McGill, uh, Matt Jenkins and Ashley Gorley, of course. And, uh, but no, it just, I, I heard the demo for it and I just like laughed so hard. I thought it was hilarious, but I, but I thought it was so well written and it felt, I was like, this is like an anthem, like, yeah. you know, um, and I, I just, I love it because, I mean, realistically, probably everybody has one person oh, yeah. that they can, you know, guy and girl. Yep. And, uh, but the best thing was, you know, I cut it and I, I think I had like one person on the team go like, is it like a little too harsh? And I was like, no. <laughs> I said, because the guys will hear it and go, damn, I know. Yeah, I've dated a girl like that. And then the girls will hear it and be like, I'm Abby. I'm yeah. the cool one, you know, <laughs> and that's exactly what they're, I mean, we have more girls that want to hear it than dudes. Yeah. Like, it's so awesome. And, uh, I mean, we, we close our show with it. It's, it's, it's hands down my biggest song with my, with my fans. Yeah. I mean, I know Atrophy was number one and sold more, but like with my fans, that's what they're coming to hear. Yeah. Now for you, for where you are now, what, what is songwriting for you now looking more like? Is it more the singles every six weeks or whatever the hell it is or do you want to do more eps more albums and that sort of thing? i'm i'm personally working towards a full-length record and and putting out music along the way 
Um, but my, my priority is a, is a full length album. Yeah. Um, that's what I've, I've cut like 10 songs this year and I'm right. I, I never, I'm never not writing. I'm usually writing Monday through Wednesday, minimum Monday and Tuesday. And, you know, I mean, just, I've, you know, I had the song on the Morgan Wallen record and, um, I had another cut with another artist this year that I'm, I, I think is, is my biggest cut that I've ever had. And, uh, I, Unfortunately, I can't go into detail about it, or else they'll break my legs. But yeah. um, so I'm still per, I'm still pursuing both of those you know careers and and avenues. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just I've got a really focused sense of the kind of songs I want to record to like finish up a project. And my plan is to turn in that full length record and 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 put it out. Yeah. Um, now, anybody that listened to my conversation with Walker a few weeks ago, we talked about you quite a bit. Um, and he has nothing but the nicest of things to say about you. Um, do you feel the same way about him? Oh yeah. I love Walker. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, we're best friends. Yeah. That's, I mean, he was, you know, he was in my wet, my, my groomsman party and, um, and I mean, we, we've been buds since me and Madison first started dating, but like, even like over COVID, just the three of us just like had so much fun together. You know, like we went up to Kentucky for like two months and stayed at the Montgomery's and, uh, you know, and that was, it was just so much fun. And then those, actually those first shows that I did back after the pandemic, like the club shows, I, I brought Walker with me and it was sick. It was awesome. He opened up acoustic and got him going and then he'd come out and do a song and we just, we just always had a freaking blast. That's awesome. Now I had asked him, so I know I want to ask you, but have you ever thought about writing together? We, we like in a, like an official capacity, not just like sitting around and shooting the shit. And... I would, I would absolutely write with him. We, yeah, we just, we, we actually talked about that one time. I was like, we've just never written together. Um, and he, now he doesn't, he doesn't write nearly as often as I do, uh, in, in the same capacity of like I like songwriting I love songwriting it's kind of other than playing guitar it's it's really what drives my yeah. love for music um and and I'm not saying he doesn't I'm not saying he like hates songwriting but like that burning passion of like I want to like I want a Blake Shelton cut I want a Luke Bryan cut like I like I I want to have those things along with my artistry um I think Walker's an amazing performer and a, and a fantastic vocalist and he like he's built for the stage yeah. like that's yeah. what he does so well but no i would definitely write with him i think i mean the best thing is he loves he loves and respects the sanctity of like country music and yeah. so i you know he has a very neo traditional leaning sound which i think is awesome and is so much fun to write towards yeah. cuz there's a familiarity about that kind of music but i think you can be so modern with it now because Luckily, the pendulum is swinging back to yeah. people want that, you know. Now, speaking of the Montgomerys, when you meet Madison, do you even know who she is? Like who her oh, no. who she, dad is? She was who... just a hot blonde at the bar. <laughs> I was like, dang, she's pretty cute. But uh, no, I mean, she like we had like the first time we met, we talked for like half an hour. And um, yeah, I mean, like she like we were she's like, what do you do? I was like, I'm a I'm a country music artist you know i'm a <laughs> universal recording artist like trying just trying anything i can she's like oh yeah my dad was an artist back in the day I was so i think i would be totally remiss if i didn't mention our friends over at 10th that's 10th mountain whiskey and spirit company they're out of vale colorado great great friends of ours 
we um we don't like bourbon here at the Boots and Whiskey Podcast, and they make the absolute best bourbon I've ever tasted in my entire life. And I'm not saying that because they've been great to us. They have the best bourbon, the best rye I've ever tasted in my entire life. So check them out, 10thwhiskey.com. Tell them the Boots and Whiskey Podcast sent you. Cheers. Dallas Jackson here with Tipsy Music. Artists, are you tired of getting $5 to play Freebird? Are you getting fans to engage with your own music? Venmo and Linktree are just temporary solutions until now. Tipsy Music is the one-stop shop for live music to make your life easier and monetize your set list. Tipsy takes Venmo, Apple Pay, Google Pay, and even credit cards all through your unique Tipsy QR code. Best part is no app to download, so fans can pay you quickly and get back to getting tipsy while watching you do what you do best. Sign up for free today at tipsymusic.com. That's T-I-P-S-E-E music.com at Tipsy Music on all socials. Long live live music. She's like, John Michael Montgomery, I was like, well, I can't, you, she ain't going to be impressed by any of this. And so I'm like, oh, hell yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, and, and, uh, but it's like one of those things where like it was, I mean, it's not like, I was just like, oh, cool. I mean, like we're in Nashville. So, right. I, you know, it's like. Right. Everybody you meet. I was about to say, you can like connect the dots on everything. But it was right. so, I remember when she told me that. And my first thought was, I was like, oh. Okay, this girl's not going to buy any of my games here. She's like, you know, and, and she did not for sure. Yeah, I was like, oh no, I was like, oh no, she's actually really smart. That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was funny. I mean, we just, you know, and then we were friends for like probably about half a year and stuff, and we finally started dating. Nice. nice. So was it nerve wracking the first time you meet John Michael Montgomery? No, we all went to a bar in Lexington, drank Jack and Cokes. It was awesome. Nice. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. We've, I mean, we've just always gotten along and I mean, we we're both obsessed with fishing and things like that. But, uh, yeah, no, I remember I drove up there. It's actually pretty funny. It was the final four and Kentucky had just lost and like and so the town was bummed out, yeah. but yeah, they, we all went out and had a good time. That's awesome. Now, a couple more things before I, I know you got to run and go do some stuff, but what is it with Georgia and the things that's in the water down there where you guys are just like killing it. Like, you know, you got you, you've got Jason, you've got all these other artists, Ray Fulcher from Georgia, you know, like what the hell is in the water? I think, well, I think it's two things. I think the technical aspect of it is that geographically Nashville is very easy to get to like on a whim, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, before I moved to Nashville, I would crash on my buddy Cole Taylor's couch and I would literally it could be a Monday and I would text him and be like, Hey, can I come up this afternoon or tomorrow? You know, he'd be like, yeah. And so in five and a half hours, I can be there. Okay. Um, but also Nashville's still like a destination. Like I had to drive through Atlanta and go to another state and that made it alluring as well. And then past that, as far as the actual art of it, I don't know. I just think like when I think back at how I grew up and where I grew up and like, like the hell hot heat summers and, and, and how, you know, Friday nights are such a big part of your life in high school with football and thing. I, I don't. And the people I grew up with, the way I just think like that, all of that kind of snowballs into a, you know, something that I think is really relatable, specifically to country music. Yeah. You know, so I think it's a combination of both those things. Because, and of course, you know, you see like one person do it, and then that that motivates a generation. And then it just so happened that it was like three or four people in a generation. Then and so it just motivates the 
the musicians and the songwriters, I think, when they go, you know, for me, it was Al Dean. I'm like, this dude's from 30 minutes from where mm. I'm from, and he's the biggest thing in the world, you know. And then, like, when I saw Cole Swindell take off, and, like, I had met him. And so I was able to, like, connect. Like, dude, I met that dude, and, like, he's from South Georgia, and, like, it's working. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's a lot of those things. That's awesome. Now, I brought you Jack and Diet. Is Jack your go-to whiskey? Or do you have... Yeah, well, I, I mean, definitely for like, I mean, a Jack, a Jack and Diet Coke is just like my absolute go-to beverage. Yeah. Um, and but as far as like bourbons and tequila, or, or sorry, not tequila, but like bourbons and whiskeys that I like to sip. Uh, I mean, if I'm drinking something neat or just on one ice cube or something, I do like Jefferson's Reserve a yeah. lot. I think that's really good. Obviously, I married into a massive bourbon family, yeah. being from Kentucky and whatnot, and. Um, yeah, so I've I've had to I've had to learn my bourbon palate, but it's funny if I'm gonna drink just straight liquor, I love a good tequila. Yeah, but I like a good tequila that's aged, so it's kind of like a whiskey, right, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about boots? Do you wear do you wear, you wear boots on stage? I wear yeah, I wear yeah. Lucchese's. Yeah. Um, yesterday we played in the rain, so I had to wear my Wolverines from Academy because I didn't want to slip and bust my ass. But I, I wear Lucchese's. That's the only thing I wear. And that, that's. How many pairs of boots do you have? I think I own like 10 or 12 pair of Lucchese's. Wow. I have two. Um, I, I'm kind of, uh, I wear rattlesnakes mm. the most, and I've got two pairs of those. But, man, I, I think Lucchese's, the, I mean, they just, they're, they're the only custom, truly custom boot company that is can make whatever the hell you want. So, you know, I've got suede caimans and suede hippos and regular milk calves and goat and, you know, their anthropic goat or whatever it is. And just, I mean, everything I have is just by them is so good, whether it's $200 or a thousand, like they just, their, their boots are so well taken care of and they last so long. Um, I just, they're great. And they're great people. I've known Doug Kendi for a long time now. And we have this ongoing joke. One time Parker McCollum was like having dinner with them. And he looked at Doug Kendi. He's like, you look like you're Travis Denning's dad. And I was like, so from here on out, when I call Doug or something, I go, hey, Dad. And he goes, hey, son. But uh, they're just great people. And, I mean, they're just like a true Texas cowboy boot company. I mean, I don't think there's any more cowboy boot company ever than Lucchese. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are pretty, pretty great. Yeah. Um, so could you shed some light on what's to come for the rest of this year, maybe early next year for you? Yeah. We're playing just a lot of shows this summer and stuff. And, um you know, a little bit in the fall and yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm hyper focused on the music right now and just recording and putting together a project and hopefully that'll come in the first quarter of next year. Nice. Well, Travis, thank you so much for taking the time before the show tonight. Can't wait. It's going to be a hell of a time. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. Also, don't forget our friends over at hogwashandrhinestones.com. Our good friend Ray is the owner over there. She makes incredible clothing that you've seen all over the place from Nashville to Boston to everywhere in between. Some really big names have worn her stuff. That's hogwash, the letter N, rhinestones.com. Check them out. Tell them the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent you. You won't be disappointed. Check them out. Hogwashandrhinestones.com. Well, there you have it, everyone. Our conversation with Travis Denning. Thank you again, Travis, and thank you to Off the Rails 
for having us. Um, some things we got going on this week. We have a another episode we're give we're putting out there on Wednesday uh, for Whiskey Wednesday. We will have Robbie Goldsmith on the show from Silver Belly Whiskey, which is Alan Jackson's whiskey brand of choice. Um, Friday night we are going to have an interview at Off the Rails. Um, maybe try to catch a little bit of that show. It is Will Danette. And then I probably said that wrong. I'm so sorry if I did. And then Saturday, we are going to Justin Moore at Foxwoods Resort Casino. Very much looking forward to that. A big thank you to Justin and his crew for having us out. Um, cannot wait for that. Big thanks to Don and everybody else at Dallary Music. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll touch base about all those shows next week. I'm also going to tell you this next week is going to start season seven. Um, we're not making a big fuss about it this time around about season seven. Um, it's just going to start. I mean, it doesn't, the seasons at this point don't really matter because we put out an episode every week. Um, but yeah, season seven will start next week. It will be Jesse Stratton. Jesse Stratton will be our first guest of season seven. Looking forward to that. Um, and we got a bunch. I think I decided I'm going to put out a bunch of episodes in July. Uh, I'm not putting out a necessary. I'm not necessarily going to put out a um, a roster, I guess you could say, for July because I think we're going to do a bunch of special episodes. Um, and a reason for that is is I'm seeing some good stuff when we put out you know multiple episodes a week. Honestly. So we're going to, I think we're going to do that trend through the summer and see how it goes into the fall and, and all that and over the winter. Um, cause if it works out where we can put out, you know, two episodes a week, we might, we might just do that. Um, but I'm not sure yet. We haven't decided, you know how we do here with everything's like kind of like on a weekly, sometimes even a daily freaking basis. So, um, a big thank you to Everybody that has been tuning in lately, um, you know, we're, we're seeing some great traffic. So thank you again. Um, and for those of you that are listening to us for the first time, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, you know, the whole, the whole nine. Um, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, and, you know, like, subscribe, comment, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do. We greatly appreciate it. Any support is so, so so appreciated. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see you on Wednesday tomorrow. Oh shit. Tomorrow is Wednesday. Damn. We will see you tomorrow for whiskey Wednesday with Robbie Goldsmith. Wow. God, the damn, the days are going by fast friends. Um, so yeah, really until tomorrow. Um, remember here at the boots and whiskey podcast, it's all about real people, real stories, real country, guys thank you so much again i i'm dumbfounded at all the the support thank you so much we'll see you tomorrow for robbie goldsmith and silver belly whiskey so until then guys keep the boots on the ground and the whiskey in the glass cheers y'all good night